0: Hello, welcome to the Denver Diet Tribe, a podcast about culture, news, and stuff from the most interesting city between Wadsworth and Peoria. I'm Jared G. Kang, the singular host today on this very special episode, but luckily I'm not alone. I have John Wenzel of the Denver Post. How's it
1: going, John? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Jared. And so, John, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about comedy and specifically the Denver stand up comedy scene. I was really excited about this particular uh, topic or this gimmick,
0: I guess you can call it, because we've done some past music episodes where we'll go and listen to bands, and then it occurred to me, well, why don't we do the same thing, except instead of listening to audio clips of musicians, we'll listen to actual local comedians, and I'm really stoked to have you here, John, because you are the, I guess, de facto expert of the underground comedy scene in Denver and beyond.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, as, <laughs> the listeners can't say this, but when you said that, your eyes flicked over to my book, which is sitting in front of mm-hmm. you. Um, oh, what? This book? Why don't, I, why don't I actually explain it? This book that makes you this de facto ex- expert is
0: called Mock Stars Indie Comedy and the Dangerously Funny. And in this book, you chart um, the underground comedy scene nationwide, but then also
1: some local heroes. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it came out about uh, two years ago. And it's, as you said, a book about uh, underground comedy, the resurgence, the revival of stand up in the last decade, uh, thanks in part to a lot of comedians working with underground musicians and taking cues from underground musicians, um, indie musicians, and, you know, bringing comedy out of the stale comedy club environment that defined it for a long time and, you know, making it relevant to a younger audience doing shows at bars and rock clubs and festivals and, you know, just generally sort of reviving it as a, as a relevant art form for, for people.
0: And so in Denver, people might know about clubs like Comedy Works, where you can see comedy almost every single night, but you'll get a lot of national touring acts. And then, you know, once in a while you'll get like the big comedy heavyweights that'll play at the Paramount or um, some other large venue. But a lot of people might not know about the actual, other comedy scene, where it's local performers playing to local audiences. Tell us about Denver's comedy scene.
1: Well, like you said, we've got, you know, some big clubs, the two Comedy Works clubs, which are nationally respected. Um, The Improv, you know, a little bit smaller, but still sort of national touring clubs like Wits End. But then we've got dozens of bars and restaurants and places like that that host underground comedy shows that sometimes are combined with music, sometimes are a little more um, edgy uh, open mic nights. I mean, I, I really think we're a great comedy city. Um, not just in the, the number of places you can go see it on a regular basis, but also just the quality of what's coming out of the city. I mean, obviously we're no, you know, New York or LA or even, uh, San Francisco or Chicago, but there's just so many good comedians coming up right now. And, and a lot of good people established, you know, national touring headlining people based out of here that, um, you know, the general public may not know about the people who may only go see like a George Lopez show or a Chelsea Handler show every once in a while. And you
0: actually have a big feature story coming out in the post. And we're not exactly sure when we're actually going to be posting this podcast. Maybe Mm -hmm. it'll be in the future, or maybe it's already been put up. But it's about Adam Caton Holland, who we've had on this show, uh, this podcast a few times. And uh, it just goes to show what a Internal circle jerk, this show actually is where (laughs) (laughs) media circle jerk, where we end up uh, talking about people and then having them on. But you, for this article, you actually went on tour with Adam.
1: Yeah, well, I spent the equivalent of about two weeks with him on the road in in Los Angeles and Portland, uh, Oregon, for a series of auditions, shows, um, a a comedy festival in Portland called the Bridgetown Festival. And then I've just been, you know, kind of watching him and following him for years um, locally. I wrote about him in Mock Stars, and I've done some other stuff about him. But, yeah, it's it's sort of a piece about what it's like to be, um, you know, a rising comedian, someone at his level, which is he's just starting to break nationally, playing these shows with people like, you know, Aziz Ansari and Reggie Watts and Zach Galifianakis and Michael Showalter, Eugene Merman, sort of luminaries in the indie comedy scene. And, you know, just, just kind of... Uh, uh, a bird's eye view of that, and then also, a, a, you know, a fly on the wall occasionally.
0: Yeah, and so you, on that note, why don't we just listen to one of the clips you brought of Adam performing? I went to summer
2: camp when I was growing up. Any guys go to summer camp when you were kids? Yeah, I have to ask because I like to assume. Because you know what they say when you assume, it turns out she's fifteen every time. So I ask because I am too smart to get burnt twice. I'll tell you that right now. But at my summer camp, guys, we had to play the adjective name game as a meet and greet. Maybe some of you played this. Here's how it works. You think of an adjective that starts with the same first letter as the first letter of your name. You go around in a circle and introduce yourselves and slowly realize this is going to be the worst summer of your entire life. (laughs) But there were two other Adams that got to go before me. So the first one gets up there. He's like, I'm awesome, Adam. I was like, A, that's a lie. (laughs) And B, that was mine. But I got time to think. Think, think, think. Next one gets up, there's like, I'm athletic, Adam. I was like, really? We're in the fifth grade. You weigh 276 pounds. You're athletic, Adam. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) All right, man, think. Think. And finally, the perfect adjective to describe myself hit me. And I'll tell you, by the end of that summer, there wasn't one camper there that didn't remember Antichrist Adam for supporting us (laughs) every time. Every time. Because I beat a Mormon kid to death behind the mess hall. That or the archery. Okay, so that
0: was a clip of Adam, Caton Holland performing at... Where was that at? Uh,
1: that was at Comedy Works, I believe, earlier this year. Um, it's from uh, actually a compilation that came out last month called uh, This Ain't No Cowtown, which is... Uh, there's a music component to it, and there's a comedy and poetry component. And I would highly recommend people go check it out. It's from John and Kim Baxter, who run the Zeta Kai House. It's free. Um, it's on Bandcamp. It's just thisain'tnocowtown.bandcamp.com. And a lot of the comedians I'll be talking about and we'll be listening to have stuff on there on this ain't no cow Town exactly exact compilation so uh
0: Adam Caton Holland how does he sort of fit into the local comedy scene as you see it, and what is his particular style of humor
1: well, I think he's one of the rising stars of the Denver comedy scene, but he's also in a sense one of the top denver comics in general you know he's He's almost, in a sense, hit a ceiling here, which is why he's going to New York and L.A. and playing shows so much. But he's got a very um, narrative style. I mean, he does a few one-liners and a few sort of, you know, self-conscious groaner kind of jokes. But um, he's got a lot of, you know, story-like twists. And it's very sharp. It's very witty. There's some historical references. But, you know, it can also be shockingly raunchy <laughs> at times if he wants to go there. But he's just a really smart guy. He used to write for Westward like you and uh, The Onion, and he's just got a very sort of um, yeah, and the narrative, Yeah, and the, 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 the narrative that, you know,
0: in this one, it's like he starts at a certain place, and it's usually about his childhood, but then he'll, he will take you through this entire story where there's, you know, jokes interspersed within it, but it's still this narrative as opposed to, I'm assuming, other comedians where it might be more scattershot or
1: random. Absolutely, yeah. And, and he's developed very quickly, too. He only started doing comedy um, about six or seven years ago. And the, his persona and you know, his peers, how quickly he's risen to a certain level, is, is pretty um, impressive. He runs a monthly comedy show the last Friday of every month at the Avenue Theater um, on 17th and Logan called The Grolix. The Grolics, yeah, with some guys. Um, they used to call themselves Wrist Deep Productions, but not. They don't really use that anymore. But guys like Ben Roy, um, uh, Jim Hickox, Andrew Orvidal, um, and Greg Baumhauer, who runs the Squire Open Mic on Tuesday, and it's definitely my favorite um, stand-up showcase in town. And there's and, and there and there's a few of them, so that's that's saying a lot. But uh, and so you're depending on when, like I said before, when we post this podcast, it'll either be before.
0: Or after this uh, feature article on Adam has come out mm-hmm. in the Denver Post that you've written. So we'll post a link to that. Um, and you can read that by going to denverdiatribe.com. So let's move on then. You mentioned some other names.
1: Yeah, let's, uh, let's listen to a clip from Ben Roy. Um, I'm not sure where or when it was recorded, but it's also on that um, This Ain't No Cowtown compilation.
3: We're parents, uh, and that's a worthless fucking venture. <laughs> We only have one, and you'd think that's a fucking crime in this country. Because we were done. So done. Like, <laughs> done. He's great, but done, right? Oh, you don't want to have any more kids? You guys got a little boy, aren't you? I'm not going to have another one. It's America. It's 2.5. There's plenty. We have plenty of stuff. You're not going to have any more? No. Don't you want to complete the set? You got a little boy. Don't you want a little girl? No, they're not fucking steak knives. No, I don't want to complete the set. You know that thing's going to eat 40,000 pounds of food in its lifetime? They're giant fucking caterpillars. I do not want more of these things running around. Oh, well, why don't you want more of them? Well, number one reason I don't want another kid. I got it right... The first fucking time I did it. And I can say that honestly. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I got it right. I don't need another one. I do not want to run the risk of having shitty sequel kid. And if you didn't laugh at that, you are shitty sequel kid. And you know who the fuck you are. Second reason I do not want more of these. 7 billion fucking reasons stop having so many kids. You're all looking for a reason as to why everything's getting bad. Stop having so many fucking kids. Seriously, own up to it. 7 billion is enough. I saw on TV the other day, it said for every person on the planet, every one of you in here, 100,000 insects. For every single person on the planet, 100,000 insects. And for every insect, there are three Asian people. Yeah. Why are you a good person in this country if you have a lot of kids? Why do you give you television shows like Just the 19 of Us or 19 and counting and fucking John and Kate plus 8 and we get to watch fucking old Mrs. Duggar fucking use her vagina as a fucking vending machine just cranking out kids. Why? Are-
0: Alright, so uh, John,
1: tell us about Ben Roy, quickly. Uh, Well, Ben and Adam are are similar in that they're both um, getting a lot of national recognition lately, playing shows on the coasts. Um, Ben played the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival last year and uh, kicked ass at it. Um, So, you know, like I said, they do the Grawlix together. They used to do Los Comicos Super Hilariosos together, which was another great um, indie alternative show. But Ben is different in his style. Um, he's a little more political, obviously more in your face, prone to ranting, a little more of an overt social conscious, uh, consciousness element. And I've actually compared him to a cross between like David Cross, uh, that sort of vitriolic uh, attitude, and the sort of like quivering indignation, I think was the phrase I used, um, of Lewis Black. But, uh, you know, he's- Doesn't in... he
0: get compared a lot to like the Dennis Leary-
1: a little bit yeah yeah i've 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 heard that and i've i've heard people say that i that doesn't come to mind so much for me cuz yeah. dennis Lurie is just a bill hicks rip off but you know he's just like he's kind of the most punk rock comedian i know he, he sings in a you know punk band and nice. he's just like he's out to like rip things to shreds
0: all right so that was ben roy who do we have next
1: uh, next up, I want to listen to a clip from Heather Snow, which was recorded at Comedy Works, uh, I believe, last fall.
4: So I get shit every September 11th. Every year. Because it's my birthday. <laughs> I love how everybody thinks I'm an expert on a day because it's my birthday. And they, when they find out, they're like, Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: so what were you
5: doing that day?
3: Well, I was recovering from my pre-birthday activities, getting ready for my birthday activities, when some assholes ran into some buildings and ruined my birthday
4: forever. (laughs) You're so selfish. So selfish. All right,
1: that was Heather Snow. John, why did you pick this clip? I picked Heather because uh, even though she hasn't been doing stand-up all that long, and she's actually a relatively recent Denver transplant, she runs um, a great comedy showcase at uh, the Denver Beauty Bar on 13th, uh, which is the third Thursday of every month called Ladies Laughin'. And other than, you know, the occasional thing at the Improv or Comedy Works, it's the only women-centric stand-up showcase in town. And, of course, the the debate over... Females in comedy
0: nationwide has been a big issue in the last year. What does Denver look like from that prism of having women who are good comedians and and being involved in the scene? Are they still like this tiny, itsy-bitsy minority, or do they have a good foothold here?
1: Uh, Unfortunately, we're sort of, you know, uh, analogous to other cities, which is that women just don't make up a huge amount of the stand up population as a you know a proportion, they're just not a ton of women in comedy. But I think the women um that are here and a lot of the women that are on a show, the ladies laughing at Beauty Bar are, are great. And uh I mean people like Stephanie McHugh, Jody Champion, Gretchen Hess, Nora Lynch, um, Timmy and Leslie. And and she has male comics on there too, it's not like a women only show. Yeah, I think the the female comics that are here are actually really, really good. Um, and there's some, some people coming up um. Well let's listen to someone else Who we got next uh, This is uh, Troy Baxley
6: I like when my friends give me shit about drinking That ain't none of their damn business Is it? Hey Troy you're drinking beer It's 11am Whoa what's the story? I'm like well I got up late Now bring me my tequila you ever been so drunk your friends talk to you like you're a dog or some sh**? You know what I mean? You're over at Ralph's Keger. You're laying there trying to party. Some nosy jerks got to come up. Hey, how you doing there, big guy? Whoa. How's my big party boy, huh? How you doing, you mock-top drunky f You don't look too good, do you? Come on, you want to go outside? Come on, let's go outside. Is it a to go outside? <laughs> Damn it, did you do this? Huh? Did you do this? I said, did you do this? Huh? do this? I said, do this? I said, did do this? In the history of dog ownership, no one went, did you do this one? What an asshole. That's a dog. What? I got to do. Like you say it loud enough and hard enough, the beagle puppy will just snap and confess. <laughs> did you do this? Huh? I said, did you do this? I'd like to know if you did this. I did not do this. I've called friends. They didn't do this. On the news, they didn't do this. Did you do this? I said, did you do I want to know, did you do this? Finally, the beagle puppy snaps. Yeah, I f***ing did it. I'm three weeks old. I'm scared shitless. That cat keeps scratching me on the nose. <laughs> when I grow into these paws, that pussy's dead.
0: Okay, so that was Troy Baxley, and we're, we're watching this in a YouTube video, and I just have to describe what this guy looks like. He almost seems to me as he could pass as, as like someone's uh, middle-aged dad, glasses, uh, clean-cut hair, collared shirt. Then he surprises you by being the the guy at the party who never stopped partying since he was 18 years old
1: yeah i think i described him in a review um of of a a paul f Tompkins show that he was opening for once as as like your angry uncle or something (laughs) but yeah he's um he's that clip was from the aspen rooftop comedy festival which they did the last one uh last summer and troy's i mean troy's like a legend among comedians so has he
0: been around for a long time in in Denver
1: well yeah he's been doing stand-up officially for a little over 20 years so definitely a veteran but also a national headliner mm. and I mean he's definitely like I said a comedian's comedian a lot of other um national comedians just worship and him. he lives here in Denver he does yeah, yeah he's he's actually a writer and a cartoonist and he was ad director or is ad director I think for modern drunkard magazine oh yeah and uh he came he sort ostensibly came out of the 80s comedy boom fortunately he's not he's not hacky as so many of those people were, but he used to run a an open mic on uh, East Colfax at the Lions Lair, where a lot of the young guys, Andrew Orvidal, um Ben Roy, Adam Cain-Holland, came up in the mid to early 2000s. Nice, so that was Troy Baxley listen let's listen to someone else Well, this is a a, a younger guy, um, Bobby Crane.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I'm the type of guy I like my women how I like my onions. Making me cry for no reason at all. (laughs) There's a dirtier version of that joke. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah! Alright. Women are like onions. It makes me cry when I cut them. So uh, you guys know how Christians are supposed to give a 10% tithe to God for all that he does for them? Well, I'm here to tell you Christians, that's a shitty tip. 20% for good service, 20%. Because God gives good service, right guys, right? Well, except for the Sunday service, fucking boring. Good thing I brought my Game Boy. So I work at this burger joint, and during the recession, we've been running a special called the Recession Burger, which is pretty much just a burger, bun, fries, a couple of bucks, whatever. But I had some wise guy say to me, well, what are you guys going to do if we go into a depression? <laughs> but I wasn't about to get mowed by that, Larry, so I pulled out this curly and said, well, the depression burger is actually just a bun. And we make you wait in a line for it. To <laughs> those of you who caught that, yes, that was a depression-era comedy reference. Thank you for noticing.
1: Right. Bobby Crane. Uh, John, why did you pick Mr. Crane? Uh, he's probably going to hate me because that set's a little bit older, like at least a year, maybe two years old, um, from Comedy Works. And he's developed a lot since then. But I picked him because he has developed a ton. He's part of a, a, a troupe, I guess you could say, or a group called the Fine Gentlemen's Club, which also includes uh, Nathan Lund, Chris Charpentier, and Sam Talent. And they do a really good weekly... Um, stand-up showcase at the Rockaway on Broadway called Too Much Fun. They're just, all all four of those guys are great. They're just all, like, all those guys. Nathan Lund performs regularly um, at Comedy Works. So do you find,
0: you know, in in the underground scene, are there, like, different sort of, like, camps or through, or just different crews of people that will uh, float around and and sort of band together, and they will be, like, that crew of the comedians, like, tagger gangs or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Warriors.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's definitely people who have similar sensibilities, similar age, similar experience levels, and they sort of band together, like the Fine Gentlemen's Club or the guys that used to call themselves wrist deep, like Adam uh-huh. and guys like that. So yeah, but but I think they're still supportive of each other. And they yeah, still, yeah. It's, it's not a competition. I mean, sometimes it is literally like a comedy works. For the most part, I mean, it's a very um, supportive community of people. But is, has anyone ever held like a Comedy gang fight? No, but uh, I'd like to see that because I'm sure it would involve lots of like seltzer bottles and, 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 and <laughs> with 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 the knife fight. Right? right yeah, that. sharks, jets.
0: <laughs> all right, that was Bobby Crane. It looks like we have time for a few more. Who do we have now?
1: Uh, we've actually only got. Um, oh, we only have one left. So yeah, we've been burning through
7: these. Yeah. Uh, this is Troy Walker. I was at a strip club recently, Shotgun Willie specifically. It was a very interesting experience. They had a stripper there that I kind of think might have been racist. Not because she wouldn't, like, dance for me and my friends. She would just say shit that was, like, a little out of line when she'd do it, right? Like, she'd be like, uh, you want me to put these tits on those big-ass black lips? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. (laughs) But do you have to say it all, Jim Crow? And she's like, remind you of watermelons, don't they? And I was like, again, yes. Again, inappropriate. Go ahead and put them on my lips, though. And like, she just kept saying shit, you know? It was just out of line, but eventually I was just like, fuck it, went with it. And like an hour later, I'm on stage with a dollar in my mouth, fucking tap dancing and shit. It's not a good moment in black history. (laughs) Not proud of it. My friends like to go to strip clubs, man. Like, they drug me to this really shitty one once that had three strippers, and their names were Faith, Joy, and Hope. Which I thought was weird, because strippers generally have none of those. Like, it would have made way more sense if their names were like Debt, Crabs, and a Baby. It's not like guys would care. Be like, God damn! Look at the ass on a baby. It's almost as good as the tits on crabs.
0: All right, so that was that was uh, Troy Walker. John, where where was this at? And tell us about Troy uh, Walker. That set
1: was from Comedy Works South last year, and that's the one in uh, Greenwood Village. Right. Yeah, it's part of the the like landmark live eat spend your <laughs> consumer brain power development. And, and this guy, I, I, I think I first saw him at the Squire Open Mic Nights on uh, on Tuesdays, which Greg Baumhauer runs, and which I highly recommend. And then I started seeing him just more and more at Comedy Works and uh, Los Comicos, which was the old version of what the Grolix is now. And yeah, he's just great. I mean, he's not a full-time comedian. I mean, a a lot of these people aren't, but he's he's a DU law student. So it's pretty impressive that he gets out and performs as much as he does, because I can only imagine Uh, his workload. He won the New Faces contest at Comedy Works a while back. You know, he does the racial humor because he's black, but he can do anything. He does video game humor. He's like, he doesn't pigeonhole himself, but... If he wants to go there, he can go there and destroy.
0: So before we move on to Love and Hates, John, I want to ask you, It's your your book, Mock Stars Indie Comedy and the Dangerously Funny, which I recommend to anyone who has an interest in any of the things that we're talking about right now because it's a great read, Uh, it came out in 2008. And so in the years since then what's changed within the underground indie comedy scene? Has it, I guess what, yeah, what's changed?
1: Well, some of the people I wrote about, it's kind of instantly dated because some of the people I wrote about have gotten a lot bigger, like Aziz Ansari, who before I wrote about him, wasn't on Parks and Recreation on NBC or uh, Zach Galifianakis, who wasn't yet in the hangover. And, you know, which is like the highest grossing comedy of all time. Sequel just came out uh, recently. So, you know, there's, there's people who are sort of dated. Uh, they've gone on to other things like David Cross, Patton Oswalt, people like that have gone on and other uh, other things. But I think also the whole concept of, um, you know, indie or alternative comedy has just kind of proliferated a little bit more, getting, gotten more spread out with online stuff, videos. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got fun allergies. Um, podcasts, you know, like this. So it's not quite as... Tied to music festivals, dive bars, um, things like that. It's 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 a little more accessible. Well, it is interesting though, because
0: you mentioned those names like Zach Galifianakis and Aziz Ansari. And when you were writing about these guys in two thousand eight, they were underground. I mean, you could only see them at some of these really underground venu- venues. And now they're basically mainstream. And that style of of humor that they have brought with them and brought with them into some of the most popular. Television shows, big popular movies, has shifted in some ways humor mm-hmm. in America. Do do you see that? Is that have? have are, do we laugh now at different things um, in our popular culture than we did five years ago?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's just the churn of culture, and you know, in hindsight, I think the book was a little my my approach to writing about it was a little too. Um, trying to give it a name, trying to pigeonhole it, when really it's just this is the new crop of, of good comedy. I mean, there's a lot of comedy that's always happening, but would I rather go see Maria Bamford or would I rather go see fucking Larry the Cable Guy? <laughs> I would rather go see Maria Bamford. You know, comedy is always happening. There's always a new presidential administration every four or eight years. The tenor of the country changes based on politics, yada, yada. But, um, you know, comedy is, is just sort of a reaction to that. Sometimes it moves stuff forward. Sometimes it changes uh, culture. Like it did a lot in the seventies with Richard Pryor and George Carlin and people like that. It, it's just what's good right now in, in up and it doesn't necessarily have to be labeled indie or alternative or whatever, but, but isn't that sort of the role of the critic to sort of label things? I mean, you are
0: um, by trade a music writer. And when you talk about that cultural churn, things being underground and then being popular culture, that is seen definitely in the music industry and uh, it seems to me like you've approached the topic of comedy in the same way that music critics approach music. Is, is that, have you, did you do that consciously or is that just you're a music writer and all of a sudden it turns and you're really, really interested in comedy and you're going to apply the same tools?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's part of it, because I, I was writing about music for, you know, 10, 12 years um, professionally before that. And not that I'm bored with music or I don't like music anymore, but comedy in the past five, six years just has been the thing that's really gotten me excited. And so I guess I excuse me, <laughs> I, I sort of can't help but listen to it and think about it through that that lens or that filter and, and think about um you know, these are the rock stars of comedy. These are the guys who are kicking ass and like doing exciting, groundbreaking things and, or just being solid and funny. People like Louis C.K. or, you know, whoever who are just like dependable, awesome. They don't have to be sort of hipster kind of comedy. But yeah, I think, I think it w- it was easy for me to look at it through the lens of music, which is sort of what led to the subject matter in the book. Tell us what you think about the
0: underground comedy scene or some of the up and coming people that you're really into in Denver or nationally, go to our uh, webpage, denverdiatribe.com. You'll find our Facebook page, find our Twitter page. Tell us uh, tell us what you think about all that. So let's move on to love and hate. Uh, John Wenzel, you're our guest. You go first.
1: What do you want to love on or hate on this week? Uh, this is going to seem kind of abstract and or ridiculous, um, but I really just want to hate on the weather the last few weeks because uh part of the reason i sound like a fucking like tuberculosis patient is because my allergies have just been off the charts the past few weeks and and it's it's stupid to be mad at something like wind you know this abstract thing this thing you have literally no control over
4: i don't know but you have been, You've the been just angry been at wind.
1: On, you see the wind and you're like
4: do you,
0: do you get uh, enraged at the, the slight I breeze that I wish blows I in all this pollen?
4: I
1: wish, I wish it was a person with a face, and I would punch it right in the middle of the eyes.
0: I, I think you can punch the wind, John yeah. well, If you just try hard enough, you're going to be the guy in the in the park or on the corner throwing, throwing wild punches into thin air. Well, <laughs> I, I want to hate on something slightly less abstract than wind. It has to do with... Uh, dog leashes and the ones that are the extendable dog leashes, Johnny, you know what the ones I'm talking about? I do. I have a dog as well. Do, do you have an extendable dog leash? I do not. Okay. Well, good. Because I'm going to hate on it. One. And I, I'm hating on this again. Cause I, I witnessed this the other day where there was a guy at the park where his golden retriever really wanted to go into this lake and the guy and the golden retriever is running on this extendable leash. And the guy is trying to like change the latch so it will no longer go forward and then the dog broke through his collar as he was running. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the collar this guy had on his dog was like one of those internal spike collars for dogs that pull. So it, like, oh, it like pokes into their skin. And I'm like, what a absurd contradiction. Here you have an extendable leech, which essentially teaches dogs to every time they want to go forward, they just have to pull forward. But then you have this collar that teaches them to stop. Or I don't have to be Cesar Milan to tell you that (laughs) extendable leashes suck. Dog trainers hate them. And so uh, don't use them, just use regular leashes. And that is all the time we have for this week and comedy talk. So John Wenzel, thanks a lot for being here this week. Thanks for having me, Jared. It was fun. As I said before, go on our website, check us out. Tell us about uh, what you want to hear us talk about. For John Wenzel, I'm Jared Jacang meyer and we are out.